Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be uploaded as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. We invite anyone listening to us to join us live on Zoom or by phone and to share any feedback you may have with our email at ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. hey Mike Proto and Ed Powell. <laughs> okay, and as per suggestion, whoever talks, if I let anybody talk, just say who you are and where you're from. I'm not mm. sure where you're from includes exactly, but we can try it. So I got to start off the show with what's going on with COVID, even though we try to avoid it since it's always more old news. But I'm sure everybody knows that New York City is clamping down on restaurants and unfortunately gyms again, and they're going to be checking your vaccine cards. Lord knows who's going to be checking, how they're going to know if they're forged, et cetera, et cetera. It's so important that it's going to be put into effect in two weeks and enforced in five weeks. So it must be really, really urgent to do this. Um, There's gazillions of stories about other cities that are demanding vaccines, masks, or both, no matter what. Um, One of my favorite stories this week is University of Michigan is going to require students and staff to take the vaccine, even if they will never walk on the campus, even if they are only going to be going to classes online. So yes, this is one heck of a virus. It's really, really good at what it does. Why am I so upset? Well, for millions of reasons. Among them, if any, if there's any truth to any of this, well, I was gonna pick on Obama's party, but supposedly his party has been squashed. I did not get an invitation. I'm sure I was cut from that list because of COVID, but apparently he's knocked it down from 700 to just a small party after unbelievable backlash. Um, It's a little bit obvious to anybody that the invasion on the border Nobody gives a hoot. I shared with you all a few hours ago, a part of a podcast. Um, I forget which podcast it was, somebody from the border control talking about the unbelievable amounts of COVID that's pouring over the border. So it would seem like if we really, really cared about COVID, we would have to care about that as well. And finally, there's the uh, mayor of Washington who was caught, not caught, caught, not caught, caught, and not caught, not wearing a mask at her own party. So I will just throw that out there to begin with. They're clamping down on us on every, in every single way, forcing people who have never broken the law in their lives to seriously consider using fraudulent cards, which we're not allowed to compare it to Nazis because every time somebody compares it to Nazis, they get in trouble. Although, I don't know if you saw this one really cool story out of Boston, their mayor, who apparently is non-white and non-binary, non binary non-male is really ripping against all of these uh, clampdowns as far as COVID. So I will turn it over to y'all. Where are the open borders advocates that have been screaming for years, you know, that they're against, where are your papers? We've been taught, we've been, I've been hearing that from libertarians and objectivists for about seven years now, that requiring people to show papers is, is fascism and it's, it's immoral. And where are those people? They're totally silent today. They have nothing to say about whether government in, itself enforces a, a vaccine passport or merely encourages private businesses 
to do it the way Andrew Cuomo, for instance, it has, and the way uh, Biden and Jen Psaki are, are uh, requesting and encouraging businesses to, to do. Jody uh, here. Hi, Jody here. I was just gonna say, they're hiding behind their virtue signals on this subject. Let's be honest, this is how they work. They may say it's my body, my choice when it comes to abortion, but not my, my, my body, my choice when it comes to vaccination. That's exactly how they work. It, it's allowed to change. And on this particular subject, why it's different, they'll hide behind the, um, the, the virtue signal of, oh, because this is, a, this is a pandemic. We're just trying to save lives. You know, I mean, you can't get to the science, to the real true science as we've talked about before, um, but that's what they'll do. That's what they're hiding behind, including some libertarians. But you know what though? I mean, we weren't designed to be a dictatorship of scientists, even if the science were on their side, which it isn't. I right. mean, this, this whole notion that we have to follow the science embeds an, an improper premise. It's just, it's wrong. The, the most the government should be doing is maybe distributing information. And I say maybe because they don't seem to know how to distribute information without lying to us and biasing what they, you know, the information so that it tells us what they want us to do. Um, so, I mean, they were, they started doing it with climate change. They started, you know, climate scientists, supposed climate scientists who well, all agree were supposedly the reasoning for all of this government intervention. And God knows if you question them a little bit and you demanded or required that they actually debate the science in public, you are a science denier. It is exactly the same thing. And that's where science was perverted in the first place. I mean, we, we look today and we, we sure. I look today and I wonder where are all the the scientific debates? Why, why how can science ever be settled? I mean, science is, a, is an open inquiry towards truth. And this notion that that the science is settled, whether it's climate change or or the vaccines or or COVID, it's it's anti-scientific method. And it started with climate change. It started with the with the government funding science to, to get a conclusion that it wanted uh, to regulate the economy. And it's just going, it's just steamrolled. Now government is bankrolling the pharmaceutical companies and it's bankrolling local and state governments to issue mes mes messages, all with the same goal in mind, which is to concentrate government power. But just to confuse the issue, I'm going to inject what was a big story all of about four or five days ago, the Christy Nome story about what she said. And also, I'm hoping, especially you, Ed, read the article where Daniel Horowitz is going after Dershowitz on whether the government has the right to do this per Jacobson. And if you want to address that. Um, well, Christy Nome. Uh, what, I forget exactly what she said. That was if you don't like what the employer is saying that you have That's to have right. a vaccine, it's easy to get another job. Right. She's she's not on the side of individual liberty. She's on the side of big big corporate interests. That's really what what that revealed to me. Um, I did read the Daniel Horowitz article on Dershowitz and Jacobson. Um, he basically makes the argument that. Jacobson has been implicitly repealed on, for numerous, uh, in numerous other cases. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm remembering, you know, Lawrence versus Texas. You you have a right to 
decide, you know, whether to have gay sex or not. Uh, uh, Griswold, he cites the Griswold case, which talks about the right to decide whether to use contraception, um, abortion, you know, Roe, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Uh, he, he cites a whole bunch of cases that talk about the right to bodily integrity. Uh, but the Seventh Circuit totally rejected those arguments in the Indiana University case. Um, I think Horowitz is correct, uh, but I think, you know, the, the overall, you know, when I step back and look at, try and look at a, a, large, a, a higher up view of what's going on, the Democrats are, are insistent on pushing COVID fascism and the courts are not gonna protect us, which leaves either the Republican party to protect us or we take things into our own hands to protect ourselves. And it's an open question whether the Republican party is gonna protect us. Christy Noem, she's not protecting us. Um, whether the rest of the Republican party does or doesn't, it's it's really an open question. There, there aren't a lot of loud voices you know, opposing COVID fascism in, in, in Washington, at least. Mitch McConnell specifically said it's either lockdowns or vaccination. And so, you know, he's not going to save us. Kevin McCarthy's not going to save us. Um, are there going to be Republican voices that save us? I mean, I, it's an open question. It's my, my role to always argue that the courts are a total waste of time. But I think we've gotten another phenomenal dose of that with the court sort of telling you, telling people, telling the administration that the eviction moratorium is unconstitutional and Biden showing one of his uh, middle digits to them and saying, we don't care. I don't really think, even if we have victories in the courts, I don't really think anybody cares. So, and right. I mean, as I said last week, we won the, we won the gun control cases. Uh, the city of Chicago's gun control law was at issue in city of Chicago versus McDonald. The Supreme Court ruled against the city of Chicago. 11 years later, their gun control laws are just as stringent as they were 11 years ago. There's no better right to own a firearm in Chicago today than there was before that case was decided. So the weird thing about the CDC, um, this is Ed uh, from wherever I'm from, Northern Virginia. Um, the weird thing about the CDC is, you know, an eviction um, is a local thing and uh you know if if you were going to try to evict someone you'd go to a local court uh and if and they were you, you know you send a letter of eviction and they refuse to go you go to a local court and the local court's going to use state law and um you know one assumes that the states have illegally you know, if not morally the police power in a pandemic to um to pause evictions but at, at no point does what the cdc say uh go into that so i i don't even know what it means for the cdc to say uh there's an eviction moratorium why would any state court take that into account why, why would they you know if you're trying to evict someone you you go to the local court to say get them out of my house and why would the local court even pay attention to what the CDC, I, that's a legal question I'd like to ask. Um, and I, I don't think that the CDC has jurisdiction over it, but they've assumed jurisdiction over it. And even in the, the Supreme Court decision that came down 
at the end of June, where Kavanaugh cast a deciding vote, uh, concurring in, in uh, well, his concurrence said that the eviction moratorium from the CDC was unconstitutional, but he was going to leave it in place because it was set to expire in a couple of weeks. But any extensions beyond July 31st were going to have to be from the legislature. That's what he said. So the Supreme Court already has said that it was unconstitutional coming from the CDC, but refused to strike it down anyway. What are you going to do? I mean, I have a question on this subject. I'm sorry, I have not researched this, so I'm asking if anybody knows because you know I'm a landlord. I haven't faced any co negative consequences um, of this, but my question is, what are, with all of the bailout money, is that money going to replace lost funds to landlords for all this money that they've basically said you can't collect from your tenants? No, it's going to tenants, and the tenants exactly. are choosing not to pay. Right. Their rent. So, Okay, th th I th I was suspicious that was the case, and wh wh where's the outrage? <laughs> That's crazy. You're, you're not you're not going to find it. Listen, Governor um, Murphy today was touting the fact that he was um, mandating uh, an an eviction moratorium, where you you can't evict anybody from your home either. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. Listen, we talked about this quite a bit in the past. And I know Ed has talked about it as well. I mean, where, if the landlords aren't getting paid and they can't pay the banks, right? we're looking at, at a huge, huge, massive problem. And with respect to COVID, again, as somebody who's a parent who had to endure a lot last year with these mask mandates on kids and everything like that, I'm very fearful of where this is going. Um, I'm starting to wonder if People aren't going to rebel about against these passports, against the idea of their kids having to wear masks and not necessarily even on a hybrid schedule like my kids were on last year to like, you know, 1230 in the afternoon, but all day. Uh, you know, people have to get back, get on with their lives, get back to work. And uh, this is going to make it impossible if they started imposing this in these school districts again. So on the legal front, um, there is somebody suing against the moratorium based on the takings clause. And again, we, we have one lawyer if he wants to discuss it, but although it doesn't matter because even if you win, they'll just go on to ignore it anyway. And, you know, Jody, to your question, no one has any th sympathy for rich landlords. Right. <laughs> Landlord no, dictionary, the synonym is rich. No, I think it's even a little more perverse than that. It goes back to something Ed had said before, you know, landlording is itself an act of empowerment and liberty and they can't have that in white supremacy well yeah well look after over a year of this i mean we were all scoffed at ridiculed mocked by leftists and others uh about the lockdowns and the mask mandates and everything like that and how this was an attack on our liberty and here we are talking about vaccine passports and not being allowed to go into restaurants and gyms. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been vindicated at this point, obviously, with where we are right now. On a lot of subjects, we on a lot of subjects. Yeah, there's, there's no there's there's no question about it. And, and uh, again, I, I think we're at a point where we just need to rebel and not comply with any of this shit. Excuse my so I think the message was very, very loud and clear on January 6th about rebellion. 
And there's a reason why they're not moving from their prison cells. <laughs> and I think the last thing I heard two days ago was the Justice Department said something to the effect of we're just way, way, way behind. We're not even going to get to handing over evidence to defense counsels until January. And these people are sitting in jail and that message is loud and clear. You will not rebel. I mean, these people are literally just people like we are. Regular yeah. old fashioned uh, law abiding citizens sitting in jail now for seven months. Well, that, that was what, two dozen people? Uh, I mean, I'm talking about a larger scale. I think there are you know. hundreds of people in jail. That's a very strong message. Well, I, mean, I don't know all the details. I'm not sh I'm not so sure some of them I'm not saying it, this should be happening, but some of them there might be some of them might ha it might warrant a little bit of investigation. Some of them, the behaviors um, seem right to me. You know, I live in a city where it is literally a revolving door because there's no bail in New York City for most crimes. You arrest them, you book them, you write a paperwork and they walk. So the idea that these people are being held without any kind of bail forever and ever, I just. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That guy in New York is that example, shooting the cop who, what, 25 time criminal and out on the streets with a gun. Right. So holding people without bail who have no records and the defense can barely see them, much less get a hold of any evidence. I just think that message is clear. And they're coming after us white terror, white supremacist terrorists. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty chilling. And I don't know who's going to be the one to quote unquote rebel. Now, all this is happening with a background of the FDA is apparently authorizing some quote antibody cocktail for treatment. The Israelis, I think, are saying we can treat COVID for a dollar a day. Uh, many of us have been yelling about ivermectin and hydroxy. I know I'm not, not allowed to say that word or will get taken down from somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. And yet still, they're pushing masks, which half of their own scientists admits are ridiculous. And they're pushing vaccines, which while we're on, there's some kind of live um, webinar or whatever presentation by a bunch of physicians against the vaccine. Apparently, there's a lot of reason to believe that vaccinated people, if they get hit with COVID, will get much sicker than the unvaccinated people. Some kind of big word for that syndrome, but vaccinations can make you even sicker. So has anybody else seen, okay, so if we kind of know pre-vaccination, the majority of people who aren't in the high-risk group are looking at a, you know, 98 point what is it? 8%. I think it's 99. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty high. So with the, the argument that I keep hearing is, well, if you get these vaccinations, your risk of hospitalization or death go down. And I'm like, well, it was already really high. Uh, your, 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 I'm not your risk, your, your risk from it was already super low. What is the difference in that number? Did it go from 98.8 to 98 point what it what is the number of course those are supposed should be scientific details we should have easy access to and they should be talking regularly but i think it's a bizarre thing that we can't seem to get those details out oh, they're, they're, i i have that somewhere um, you do yeah yeah i've seen that uh, so what does it change what did you see the number change from you know 98 point whatever to are they saying 90, you know, nine point, what is it? Um, because that's what people need to know to make their decision is 
it, this is a cost risk analysis, a risk benefit analysis for every individual. You have to make an educated assessment. Jody, you know, the point is, they coerce you. No, I know. That's the Darn it when I ask dumb questions, because you're right, it's just not, but that's how it's supposed to work. Let me just- We, we don't have as much data as we would want, um, because what we would want is, um, is the data broken out by not just, um, you know, one big average, but by age and sex and comorbidity and um, race. Yeah. Those groups were the and, and things like that where, where you where you could you, where you could then say oh well I'm a not particularly overweight guy in this you know my BMI is this and my age is this and I don't have these and so plug that in and then it would tell you what the I mean it, it's not that that data couldn't be provided uh, but they do tend to give. Um, bigger averages. That's just scientific note. Whenever anybody gives you an average, yeah. distrust them because it's just, it, it's always trying to hide. They're always, everyone when they give you an average is trying to hide something. Um, it, it does seem like the uh, the vaccine is is relatively effective. The numbers I saw is the, the latest MedCram video was, was in the 90% range. So so I got I got to ask, look, this is the problem I find with having watched everything play out, especially over the past year. And as we've just said, they have politicized science. So now I don't even believe that they're even doing it properly now to even believe yeah, that. Assessment. No, I, 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 so, I hear you. There, there's some there's some thought about giving um, doing new trials where they actually take vaccinated people and expose them to COVID. Um, you know, they get their permission and all. A challenge trial, it's called, and um, and then see how many get it. So of the people who are, you know, they puff COVID at them. That's, it's a it's a tough gig, but somebody's got to do it. Hopefully their remuneration is high. Listen, um, there are tens of thousands of, quote, breakthrough cases. So to say that these vaccines are so effective is ridiculous. Well, we I, I agree I, I, on numerators and denominators. We don't agree the percent of what survives. The percent of people tested and tested positive. The we're not yeah. testing certain people anymore. We're not counting people who were vaccinated anymore. The, any number you come out with right now is total one hundred percent BS. Yeah, it's it's hard because you've got to like. Um, you got to take into account so many different variables and they they tend not to do that and and you know what does it mean to have a case is it you know a cycle threshold below 30 is it below 26 is it above 35 you know um pcr tests aren't diagnostic tools is it a pcr test and a, a symptom from a symptom list and every study does it differently so it's very hard to compare across studies so it's it's a very difficult uh situation to to figure out you know there are uh reported now they're reported 125,000 breakthrough cases but what's a case right i think the cases now are defined as a cycle threshold below 30 or 28 or something you know so i mean if there's 125,000 breakthrough cases at 28, how many cases do you think there would be if the cycle threshold was 40? Like it was for most of the pandemic last year, most of the 
you know, 10, 15 million, however many million Americans are supposed to have gotten it. So it's, it's, there's a lot of apples and oranges. And I just, um, I'm not entirely sure. I, I honestly, I'm not entirely sure what to do about it. Uh, well, that's why I don't believe any of the numbers. And as much as we face, say, follow the money, I try not to be conspiratorial. But you look at Israel, where they're starting with over 60, getting third shots, and they're going to bring that down to the rest of the population. And I figure that's going to happen very soon here. It's no longer going to be second shot. It's going to be third shot. And there are billions of dollars out there. Mm -hmm. So considering we have no reliable numbers, we have no reliable reporters of numbers, and somebody's making billions of dollars, it's really hard not to be cynical. Well, and we don't have actual investigative journalists who would care to find out what's true regarding these things, which makes right. it even worse. And apparently there are people who say like, if they want to investigate certain things, they are shut down by their newspapers. They are absolutely shut down. You're not yeah, allowed Ivory to. Hacker, uh, Ivory Hacker uh, sort of <laughs> uh, complained on air the other day. She's a reporter in Texas. And uh, of course she said that they're not allowed to actually report on anything. And, and, uh, she was uh, fired, of course, which she, she knew she was going to be fired. But um, but now she's an independent journalist and she's interviewing anything. And while she's a nice woman, I'm sure she's a, a fine person. Um, she doesn't know medicine, you know, so she's just going on the basis of people she interviews. And some of them are probably better than others. Uh, now, you got this guy, this Dr. McCullough, who's got a million dollar lawsuit against him from Baylor for bucking the system. I mean, the messages are very strong. Don't you dare. Yeah, Ivory uh, had a, an interview with him, an uh, hour long interview the other day, that which is worth, um, which is, is definitely worth listening to, um, to get his perspective. He is not a kook. Um, and he is very much convinced that the vaccine works less well than Pfizer says it does. Oh, it's an understatement to say he's not a kook. He's got tons of clinical experience treating COVID patients, and he's testified before numerous legislatures. I mean, he's one of the foremost experts in the field. Yeah. Peter McCullough. Well, F Pfizer had the worst success rate out of all of them, right? And I think- No, Pfizer's very good, actually, from the data I've seen. Pfizer is uh, probably the best as far as success yeah. rate. The worst is the Johnson and Johnson. Oh, that's what J and J. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pfizer and Moderna are up there. It looks like again the the study data seems to say that while Pfizer is better against the Wuhan strain, the, the Moderna is better against the Delta, which is the Indian version. So, um, don't know. Hard Actually, to say. Is there a test to determine whether you have the Delta or the Gamma or the regular i mean oh yeah oh absolutely but are they, they doing that are they testing that uh not regularly no I well mean, once again it's bs well once right. again i i mean haven't they kind of sort of flip-flopped on that too like oh wait so it's not as accurate to test the differentiates like it, even it's not even trustworthy well the uh, the difference between the two of them is is a is mutation and so you've got to do a sequencing and it's it's more expensive so they just don't tend to do it unless they have they are part of a study so right. one one they imagines they're doing a you know when you get the test and they send it in and 
they say you have you have COVID and you don't have COVID, uh, which I just did the other day because I had a cold. Um, then all sorts of claims about the Delta variant, though, and yeah. it's all if they're not testing for it, if they're not just differentiating. It's My all- guess is they're what they're doing is they're anon- they're taking anonymized samples from people who send in positive tests and then doing a, uh, a subsampling from that to try and see how many. Um, Instead of testing them all, they probably test the subsample. I, I, my, sense, my sense is they're making it up out of thin air and lying to us. That's my sense. <laughs> I mean, really, because that's what they've been doing the whole time. You know, the same people who swore it couldn't come from a lab. And if you said it came from a lab, we're going to deplatform you, who now say it probably came from a lab. The same people who said, yeah, mask, no mask, who, who said we won't take Trump's vaccine, but now you have to take Trump's vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. Why would we not think they're making this up out of thin air? Because that's what they've done. And they know that anyone who protests will be thoroughly deplatformed, thrown off of every board, and possibly lose their medical license. I mean, not to disagree with the fact that everybody lies, um, I, I tend to think that some of these foreign studies are a little bit more uh, reputable than than the American ones because uh, everybody in the United States has a financial or political angle to play. If, you know, Pfizer, obviously, and uh, the uh, the government scientists and the university scientists, and they're all, you know, what we've seen with Dr. McCullough, they're all facing institutional pressure to, to say one thing or another. Um, and, you know, I, but I don't necessarily think people in like Chile or, or I saw a study in, from Chile where they, they talked about the Chinese vaccine or, um, you know, Israel or some of the European countries. I, I think they tend to be a little bit more honest than, they're less corrupt in, in this way than the United States. I, I tend to think. So, I mean, it's not that you, it's not that you're not wrong to disbelieve what you're hearing, but, you know, you, you got to look all over the world and see what's going on. Well, to Jody's point, it, it's more than just the fact that the media doesn't investigate properly and give us the facts. They're out and out propagandists, as we know. And listen, Tucker had on the other night uh, showing proof of how the New York Times and CNN and all the other left wing stations were putting forth Chinese propaganda about the virus and that it didn't come from the the lab. There was no way it could have come from the, the lab. Fauci saying that it, there's no way that it was engineered. And that's what they were feeding us, obviously, to go after Trump and everything like that last year. Um, but now they're also telling us that, you know, Texas and Florida are the culprits uh, with respect to the Delta variant, um, when they probably don't have any facts to back that up, as we're just talking about. But nonetheless, I mean, if it's even if it's true, odds are it's coming from people crossing the border and it's spreading. So they're trying to make hay out of that towards the red states. Well, Uh, I'm just going to share a theory that I uh, heard from a physician, uh, Z-Dog MD. I don't know if you guys ever watch him. I tend to follow him sometimes. Anyway, he brought up the Florida stuff and he brought up the point that, you know, technically Florida is in their winter. So their numbers are likely to go up on these things because they go inside when it's too hot to go outside. So their behavior mimics our behavior up here once it gets cold and our 
our contagion season goes up when we're all inside. And so that was one of his theories about why Florida and those other those southern states are higher. Yeah, I mean, just that's, that out there. that's sort of, you know, how, how does COVID spread, right? I mean, I, it's very, it's almost impossible to talk about it, but it, it, it spreads in, in, in small, cramped, confined spaces that are ill-ventilated. So if you go and work in a store and you're eight hours a day and there's not a whole lot of ventilation and it's a bad, and, and the air conditioner just recirculates the air and stuff um, and someone comes in and spends an hour looking around and breathing in the small air, and you get it. And then you go home and instead of, you know, you know, go to your wife and kid, you know, maybe you go to your, your wife and your, your kid and your, your mother and your grandmother and your uncle who all live in the same house and then they all get it, right? Um, and, and that's kind of how it spreads. So it, it takes kind of a long period of time in close contact with someone in a very ill ventilated space to, to transmit the disease. So, okay, even with that, I, I, I still don't understand how we dance around the most important parts of the issue. Okay, if all of these people are vaccinated or a good portion of these people are vaccinated. So, you know, many, many of these people had a low risk of hospitalization or death beforehand. Now it's theoretically lower. They could get sick. Contagion is one thing. Risk of death and hospitalization is an entirely another, another thing. And I feel like the conversations in our media and the left obsess about the contagion as if we should all fear contagion as if there's not constantly things that can make us sick lurking all over, similar at this point, especially for the vaccinated, similar in the fact that, okay, you might get it and you might get a little bit sick, but your your risk of uh, anything severe or death are reasonably low. And so that discussion, it seems to me, should be where we focus and then let everyone be free because you can't Really, I mean, think of young kids and how many young kids historically have died of the flu every year. We didn't mandate, you know, the flu vaccine. Yeah, no, I, I was just trying to confine my turn to the science. One of the interesting, more uh, sciencey things that uh, has come out is that the number one comorbidity for, you know, hospitalization and death from COVID is obesity. So we know that that's everybody kind of gets that. So it's not diabetes, diabetes you get from being obese. So it's not diabetes that people thought that, but it's actually just obesity itself. The number two, this is really interesting. The number two um, comorbidity for getting hospitalized and, and dying is anxiety or anxiety disorder. Now, what has the media and the government been doing for the last 18 months is generating anxiety, right? I mean, that's all they do. They just generate anxiety. And so in a lot of ways, the media and the government are responsible for, for more deaths than, than anything because all they do is generate anxiety. And now is a good time to bring up Germany, where they've at least admitted their, you know, their their media. Oh, sorry, we really did kind of hype hype anxiety. Sorry, you know, we'll never get that from the American media, but good on them for at least sort of acknowledging that 
very fact that you just made, Ed. And I, I tweeted. And I just want to I tweeted last night. We started two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. Flatten I, I tweeted, the curve. The hospitals are overwhelmed. Last night, this uh, statistic that, um, like, in Germany, the uh, the mask compliance rate was like eighty percent. And I have seen data from the United States that the mass compliance rate in the United States is like 88%. And I, I got to tell you, if, if we're obeying the government here in the United States more than the Germans obey their government, I mean, <laughs> something is seriously wrong because the Germans are notorious rule followers, right? And so it just it sh shows how awful we're doing. I mean, I, I want American compliance with government orders to be in the single digits, right? I don't want it to be 88%. I mean, where where are they getting that number from? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they do they do surveys. I don't I mean, you know. I, I mean, I haven't been told. We're just talking anecdotally. I, <laughs> I'm visiting New, Jer New Jersey this week, my former home state, and I'm seeing masks everywhere. I When I've gone into stores, uh, they're no longer required in the stores like they were when I left here eight, eight months or so ago. Uh, but I would say 90% of the people in the stores are, are wearing, you know, I was in a grocery store, a couple of grocery stores earlier this morning, and almost everybody was wearing a mask. People were looking at me like I was funny because I wasn't wearing a mask. And that's in, in stark contrast to where I am in Western North Carolina. Hardly anybody is wearing masks. I mean, there are some, uh, I wouldn't say it's 10% versus the 90% here, but it's well, well below 50%. I mean, maybe, I don't know, 20, you know, maybe 20, 20, you know, a quarter to a third, you know, maybe 25 to 33%, maybe. Um, if anything, less than that, not more than that. Um, so I think it's gonna vary from where, depending upon where you are. Uh, where, I, where I live now, there's not a lot of mass compliance. There really isn't. And I just want, I want to segue to Texas or go back to Texas for the moment because the unbelievable chutzpah of yelling about Texas numbers while you're forcing them to take invaders. And we got to talk a little bit about this fight between Abbott and the federal government. I mean, the federal government telling Abbott that you can't control your border and Abbott saying, okay, I'm going to do what Ed Masler said on the EJS show and I'm going to send my cops and my state troopers and maybe even my military to get these people out of here. And then he's going to ship them all on buses and ship them out. And then the DOJ or the administration responds with, we're not going to let you do that. This fight is, I don't know, since the Civil War, has there been such a fight between the state and the federal government about literally a life and death issue? On every other front, the feds are saying COVID's going to kill the whole world, except you have to let them into Texas and let them run free. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is getting to quite a level. Yeah, I think the Biden administration is going to sue them and they're going to try and get a court order and it's going to fall on Abbott to decide to give the same middle finger to the courts that the Biden administration just did with its CDC moratorium on evictions. I mean, that's really what it's coming to. You know, Abbott has to be careful not only because people are going to primary him and will primary him. At a certain point, Texans are armed and they're not going to have a choice but to actually start shooting because it literally is their lives at immediate risk from the invaders and it's slightly less immediate risk from COVID. And how do they know it's a risk from COVID? Because the feds don't stop telling them it's a risk from COVID. So yeah. if you're a Texan, 
how long are you going to sit back and watch your family threatened by those two things? That is the big question today. Not okay. just for Texans, but for red state Americans. Well, how we've long got all these prosecutors in uh, various blue states saying they're not going to prosecute people for um, uh, for burning down buildings and, and uh, you know, rioting. Why don't we have some prosecutors in Texas saying they're not going to prosecute people for shooting illegal aliens that trespass onto their land? I think yep. that would be extremely helpful. <laughs> Well, at least uh, the McCloskey's got pardoned. Maybe that's uh, a start in the right direction. Right. Did they get pardoned? I didn't see that story. Yes, Steve. they did. They did. I think yesterday or something. Yep. Pretty amazing. The governor had said that he was going to. I don't know what took him so long. Uh, focus group testing? I have no idea. We have to move on to uh, the other big story. I'm sorry for New York taking over the whole show today, but apparently our governor was found to not be quite as squeaky clean as he has been protesting and everybody is talking about it. Is he gone or is he not gone? Um, obviously his great whatever video or slideshow of him kissing everybody in the entire world to prove that he kisses everybody in the entire world and therefore it's okay to kiss everybody in the entire world as an interference. <laughs> but the question, and then of course throwing all the Italians under the bus just after they won that World Cup match, I think that's really, really a low blow. Is he going to survive? So you got Geraldo telling him to hang on like Governor Northam. You got tons of Democrats, biggies, telling him to resign. And to me, the only question is, is he down enough that they figure they can finally get rid of him? Or is he not down and they're still somewhat afraid of him? And of course, his brother, Chris. And if Andrew goes, I guess Chris is going to go. And how much that power balance is changing things. So everybody gets to weigh in. So is that like the Richard Dawson defense? He, he, he kissed everybody like, you know, family feud. <laughs> I, I, uh, um, I, say, I, I, I say it goes without saying that uh, no, nobody really cares about uh, Cuomo uh, sexual harassment. Right. So <laughs> the Democrats have proven over and over again they don't care. So but to think that they've all of a sudden grown a me too conscience is ridiculous. And I'm always skeptical about all the people coming, you know, way after the fact. But let me do. let's just think what what is going on. And, and my theory, and I'm going to throw this out to you guys. The theory that I've read and thought about is that uh, Cuomo was actually doing quite well in the polls last year because he had a very effective media operation. You know, he may have been killing all these grandmas, but he had a very effective media operation and people were like, oh, Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. He won an Emmy. Uh, he won an Emmy for Whatever. While he was killing our grandparents. And so why have the Democrats decided to throw this guy under the bus, right? I mean, the Northam, you know, or the the Northam did something bad. The the there's all sorts of Democrats who are who are sleazeballs. Um, Republicans do, but there's Democrats seem to be it, it, this particular sleaze. Um, why did they throw? Why are they throwing him under the bus? And so the the theory is that you know Obama who is behind Biden um, wants Kamala to run unopposed in 2024. And if uh, Cuomo got too popular, which he looked like he was doing there, despite his actions, um, he would make a real problem for Kamala, I guess, Kamala. 
in the 2024 nomination. Now, Kamala is going to flame out because she is the most unlikable person since Hillary Clinton. But purely from the identity politics perspective, I think the Obamas have decided that she's the next president. So um, that's the theory. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think the same thing. I mean, I'd go further. It's not just that Cuomo is popular. It's that Cuomo is articulate. And I think that Kamala would be exposed in a really bad way in, in debates with Cuomo. Um, there's, no, I mean, I don't know if Obama's the one calling the shots, but uh, as you said, there's no question that the Democrats don't have a Me Too conscience in their bones. This is all politics. This is all about getting rid of Cuomo. And this is the time they've decided they need to get rid of him. What reason could it be? I mean, he, he's up for reelection next year. So I think they're they're afraid that if he gets reelected and he's a you know he's a strong candidate, he can he can put a lot of pressure on Kamala. Uh, I think it's also a signal that they're expecting Kamala to step up to the presidency after the midterms. See, I think it's even simpler than that. First of all, you're a governor, you're a Cuomo, you're the son of a Cuomo, you've made thousands and thousands of enemies on your way up as it is. And people are smelling blood, just that simple. You also have people in the Democrat party who have been trying to climb that ladder for decades and they're blocked by Cuomo and his minions. And, you know, Lieutenant Governor wants to move up and other people in New York State want to move up. And I think they're just seeing this as a possible time where they can clear out that top tier of Cuomo people and move in. I don't think you even need to go to national politics. As far as Kamala, anybody who thinks she has a prayer, I think is so unbelievably obtuse that I would hate to think that they're planning it that way. Well, I mean, she has a prayer because they don't bother with elections anymore. Right. I mean, come on. You know, I mean. Then elect a cockroach. Cockroaches are the same color and they don't cackle. I'm going to let the cockroach. Yeah. I mean, if it were a democracy, that might be a great, uh, that might be a great argument, right? I mean, they, they don't really care. They've got the same machine in Atlanta and Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Right. But they know somebody's going to primary Kamala and it's going to be ugly no matter what. So I just, I just not, that's not necessarily true. It's very seldom do, um, sitting, president, in this case, vice president, get a primary. And when they do, they tend to lose. So um, in a normal world, yeah, we're not in a normal world. And everybody knows that she's incredibly unpopular. I mean, the Californians hate her guts and that's her home base. I, I just I don't see resting on her um, a smart I mean, way to go. And I don't hate her, but they elect her. I mean, but because it's not a democracy anymore. Right. I mean, it's a and not only that. I mean, I agree, Ed, that it's not a democracy, and they they're going to steal elections. But it's not like the Democrats have a good good farm team. I mean, who are their yeah. young people? Who, who are their next? Who are their next leaders? I mean, yeah, Eric Swalwell, right? right. You know, right. I almost <laughs> think it's simpler. It's I almost think it's a little bit simpler than that. In that they know that whoever they put up, all they have to do is do their typical media spin. They just protected a man and another man and another woman who literally killed grandparents. So why would we believe that if Kamala gets out there, they can't do the same spin to make her look like something she's not? I mean, they have the power to do that. They keep doing it. Biden has done things worse than what Cuomo is. And And he's demented. And he's a weirdo. (laughs) 
<laughs> desiccated old weirdo, as Kurt Schlichter calls them. I think re reality they pushed him into the presidency. Yeah, I just don't think reality scares them because they don't bother with reality. It's all the theatrical politics. It's all about theater. They're really good at it. A lot of people fall for it. And so I get why they and might. I guess the obvious question is, why did they build him up so much last year? He it's built himself up. No, so the press built him up. The press they gave did. Him, the press. Is Cuomo? Cuomo. The press. Well, built uh, well you got to put it into you got to put it into context too. I mean, didn't there was know a, if they were going to be successful in stealing the election. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was Maybe. all about it was all about Trump. Trump. It was right, all about Trump. Trump was still president. So it was get Trump at any which way they could. You know, now now uh, it's uh, well. You know, Cuomo was a god. Murphy was a god. There might even have been a little bit of something of that sort of um, he's Joe Biden's next in line. We love Cuomo, but we'll get him later, you know, where they usher in whose turn it is at the power wheel. And, you know, maybe the DNC and the powers that be was were sort of it doesn't really matter. It's Joe's turn. He's he's paid his dues. You know, let's usher him through. I'm, I mean, a little bit more scared. I'm a little bit more scared and tending to agree with Ed P that the only president they're going to allow is somebody who is totally controllable beyond anything we've ever seen sure. before. I mean, is Biden is the perfect at that. Kamala would be perfect at that. And Cuomo wouldn't. Well, remember back in March of last year, they still hadn't, the, the establishment Dems were still trying to fight off um, Bernie Sanders and AOC and that, that part of the, the, crazy well they're all crazy but the more crazy part and they were looking for alternatives to biden and i think cuomo appeared as a potential alternative and they built him up and built him up and built him up this is a you know april and may when they could have done something but then cuomo said that he wasn't gonna wasn't gonna get into the run because it's too late you know that's probably a smart decision on his part but once he did that then he has no use because they then they were all in for the desiccated old weirdo. And well, he had no chance to get into the race after COVID, though. I mean, COVID doesn't hit until February, March. I mean, oh, no, it was very close back still in March and April from the standpoint of. Um, no, the, the South Carolina primary was February 29th. And by March 15th, the race was over. Yeah, hard to say. I, they still were looking for alternatives to Biden. I mean, that's, that's for sure. Um, I don't think so. I think that what, what was going on was Bernie was was soaring and they all coalesced right. behind Biden because they were scared of, not just, not really scared of, of Bernie, but like you said, Bernie wasn't controllable. They didn't want Bernie to be the one to sit, to, to staff people at the DNC and to get in control of the party apparatus. They wanted someone like Biden to be at the top so that their people could still control the party apparatus and the money. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. Anybody venture a guess as to who is running the federal government today? Obama. Really? Well, Valerie Jarrett. Cabal comes to my mind. Who? Cabal. Like oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's certainly true, too. But somebody has to be actually collating and, you know, the Soviets after Stalin had a collective government, too, right? I mean, it was it's collective decision making, but it was done in fear and and 
positioning and all that, but it was still a kind of a collective decision-making body. Um, and so I think, I think there is that kind of organic nature to the, to the people who are in charge in the United States, um, the, the oligarchy as it were, uh, you know, the rich, the rich guys, the bankers, the, the tech CEOs, the, you know, the democratic insiders, the deep state people. But I, I do think that it's all going through Obama because he's still in Washington, right? He's the only president who stayed in Washington. Thought he was on Martha's Vineyard. Well, he's there for his now canceled birthday party, um, but uh, no, he's he lives in Washington. Oh, is it Obama or is it Soros? I mean, who, who, oh, yeah, really, Soros who really is the puppet master here? Yeah, I mean Soros has his agenda, and Bloomberg has his agenda, and the environmentalists all have their agenda. And, you know, and so when you look at this Iranian, whatever it was, hijacking or another murder on the high seas the other day, and there's no leadership in America, what does that mean? If we don't have destroyers there, like right there, I, I, why do we have a Navy? I mean, that's like one of three places in the whole world where we ought to have a few destroyers. And so I don't, this whole thing just doesn't. Well, they may be standing down so they can get more diversity training. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe. Well, I, I I've know. said many times on this show, given who's the commander in chief, I don't want our ships there. I don't want our Navy there. I don't want any military engagements for the next three and a half years because I don't trust Biden not to surrender or not to sacrifice our troops for, for, for a lost cause. They, we should just stay out everywhere. Ed P, you know a lot about the international stuff. What do you make of that sailor who burnt down a Navy ship? How bad is that for the Navy? Oh, it's catastrophic, right? Because the it's a Navy ship. It shouldn't be able to be burned down, right? I mean, you, you can't, how do you start a fire and burn? You know, usually, I mean, in ships in World War II, they would take torpedo after torpedo and bomb after bomb and still be operational because everything's metal. How do you burn a ship like that? I mean, what, what's but isn't it all compartmentalized that it just can't? Yeah. And, and, but maybe it's made out of aluminum. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I you know, what, what's in it to burn? I mean, there's oil and there's ordnance, but I mean, other than that, it should, there shouldn't be anything to be able to burn it. You know, the cost. How much does that reflect on personnel and training? I, and design. It's crazy. I mean, of course, personnel training are a disaster. Yeah. But I mean, how, how do you design a ship that that dies of fire like that? I, I don't understand. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I wish I did know. I have no, it, uh, how anyone can burn a ship down. I have no idea. I mean, you know, if it was in the old days made us wood, you know, but now it's a, uh, should be all metal. Should be all steel. I, I don't get it. It doesn't reflect well on our no. military. That one sailor, one sailor can burn down an entire three billion dollar ship. That's you, did, you light a match. I mean, how do you even do it? I don't know. I haven't read the report, so I I I, I honestly I don't know. I it it's incomprehensible to me that that's possible. Okay, the only other story I want to discuss is Matt Damon. Yeah, I don't know this story. You have to fill me in. Well, Matt Damon is a uh, 
full-fledged card-carrying super liberal and he got caught using an f word that only has three letters that refers to certain people of varying orientations and he is getting unbelievable unbelievable flack and again it's it's the left eating their own and i can't stop laughing at watching him squirm because i i don't know if you can get as loudmouth lefty as matt he's like one of the absolute tops telling the rest of us what to do and his squirming is just a sight to behold and again will that turn him into a bill maher who says wait a minute have we gone too far or is he just going to grovel until he gets out of it yeah and so the wait a minute have we gone too far only applies when it's happening to them well for sure we've gone too far is irrelevant when it's happening to others well again it's kind of like cuomo with me too but the point is, you know, you have like Bill Maher and I forget who else, another personality. John Stewart, I think, has turned in a few tiny, tiny ways because some of this cancel culture, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. Is this going to get Matt Damon to wake up a drop or he's just like I say, he's just going to keep groveling. I mean, I don't the watch groveling, the groveling um, doesn't do anything right. Um, that That's what we see. We see the groveling, but the groveling doesn't do anything. Something goes on behind the scenes where they decide whether the person is forgiven or not. And I, I hate to be a materialist, but I have a feeling it has to do with money. Because it's the shake, it's the same shakedown that that um, that Jesse Jackson has perfected, right? Somebody at some company will say something and then Jesse Jackson will show up and a million or two changes hands and then all of a sudden the company is exonerated. And I have a feeling the BLM works the same way, or the you know the gay lobby, uh, if it's if he said something anti-gay, I, I, I'm I'm really cynical on this. I really do believe that there is some sort of transactional nature to these things, and that the groveling is just the uh, it is just the excuse when he's forgiven, or if he's not forgiven because he doesn't you know he doesn't donate enough to the human rights campaign or whatever. So who is, I'm going to ask you again, who is the they? Who decides he's forgiven? How do they get that message to everybody? Well, the shakedown artists. I mean, whoever's shaking him down. Or is it just a bunch of Twitter bots? And like Well, yeah, I mean, it, but nobody pays attention to Twitter unless they're decided to pay attention to Twitter. I mean, I, you know, I had that tweet that had like 20,000 negative comments on it. And I didn't read one of them because I don't care. So it doesn't matter. You know, Twitter doesn't matter. Twitter only matters when people want it to matter. And now they want it to matter for some reason. And I don't know what that reason is, but my guess is it's some sort of shakedown operation. Could this be the real reason why he faked amnesia for all those years, for all those movies? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I happen to love Matt Damon as an actor, but I have not watched one minute of any of his movies for years since he started being such a loud mouth. But so basically you're saying he makes phone calls until he finds out who's the one he can pay off. Well, he doesn't do it. His agent or his manager or his publicist does it. Yeah, sure. He may be right. How how much and how many, how many checks into what organizations and how much do I have to make till this goes away? I I hate to say that. I I actually think you're hundred percent right, by the way. Because you're right, somebody decides you're forgiven and somebody decides you're not forgiven. 
and they're not doing it based on your words. I, that I totally agree. We, we've all seen these, these uh, you know, um, what do they call it? Montages of tweets from lo- large numbers of people that are all identical, either on masks or vaccinations or whatever they, you know, in, in the Simons.media, you get those. And I, th- you know, the, the number of sock puppet accounts on Twitter and, and the number of, um, I mean, whether they're so- whether they're actual individual humans who just happen to have a sock puppet brain, or whether they're just bot accounts, I, I don't know. I-, I tend to think that a lot of these campaigns are manufactured, and they're manufactured for a reason. And I, I-, I you know, I don't necessarily think it's the Russians or the Chinese, but I mean, they they probably do some of it too, you know. And 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 but you know, a lot of problem. Most of it's probably native to the United States. I, but I'm sorry, I, th- I tend to think it's all shakedowns and the people who are not forgiven, like um, Cara Dune, what's her name, Gina Carano, are the ones who are like, no. And she's, you know, she's not forgiven. Okay, so it's an indulgence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't use terms like that. I mean, I did when I was a 14 year old, like every 14 year old. But everybody did. And so, you know, the idea that we pick on people for what they said when they were 14 is in itself so ridiculous. Yeah. We know that already. Right. You you had me remembering uh, Dick Army once had a slip on the floor of the house with respect to Barney Frank. (laughs) Um, He was able to survive it. But I mean, are- Frank, he's running a, a male prostitute <laughs> ring out of his office. That's fine. You know, yep, that's no fine. problem there. That's fine. But cer- certain celebrities don't get away with stuff and they do get buried. I mean, Michael Rich- Richards, who was on Seinfeld, um, I think he was doing a stand up routine or something and went off on some sort of racist rant. I mean, it's been a while, but. I think that buried him. He, he never really recovered recovered from it. So maybe he didn't cut the right checks, like you're saying. But I, I don't know. Well, I mean, some people have privilege, like Dave Chappelle. He did that whole routine on Netflix, which is very funny, by the way, where he talks about the alphabet people, and um, and it was hysterical. And they were not happy about him, but he had the privilege yeah. card to play, you know. So if you if you if you have the racial or sexual privilege, you can get away with uh, more than if you're you know white males. I mean, is it ironic that Meathead was the star of All in the Family? Well, it's not. I mean, that, that's, yeah, it was made the star of All in the Family. And, and, and but everybody liked Archie, right? And I, I think that's because back then when, uh, what's his name? Norman Lear was doing All in the Family. Um, he was doing it sort of honestly from, uh, you know, he said his father, his father, his father was kind of like Archie. And so he modeled Archie after his father. And you know, half the population liked Archie and thought he was a hero. Well, I, but I have a question: Does Meathead give all the profits from that show, which are considerable, to organizations that protect the oppressed, or did he make hundreds of millions of dollars off one of the most racist shows in history? I, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Reiner. Uh, what's his son? What's, what was Meathead's real? Um, Rob Ryan, Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan. I don't think he he was the executive producer. It was Norman Lear, right? So sure. But he made his money. Made off money. Of the yeah. Show. yeah. But you it know? wasn't a racist show. It was. I loved it. I thought it was great. It wasn't a racist show. 
It was. Oh, I don't. I don't consider it a racist show. It was making fun of racism, but there were many, yeah. many racist words and episodes, etc. That's all I'm saying. A Republican couldn't make such a show. No, well, I think Norman Lear had uh, the... um... Listen, they come after Blazing Saddles as racist. And Blazing Saddles was that same type of a thing, making fun of racism, but they still come after it. So I'm going to repeat, did Reiner give all his money back? And we should ask him that. Or Mel Brooks. Yeah, I, I don't think any of them gave any of their money back. Yeah, I'd be surprised. <laughs> it's weird because you'll, uh, like, if you have TV, you'll you'll see something on television or something on the, on the guide. And you'll think, oh, that was a fun movie. And then you think, wow, that movie could never be made today. And yet it's playing on some channel. So there's kind of this, there's kind of this pass. But on the other hand, yeah. again, I do not think these attacks are random. You know, I, I don't think I don't think that this attack against Matt Damon was, was random. It's like, oh, um, he, he said this bad word and, and I just found out about it and we're going to go and make him apologize. I don't think it's random at all. I think it's very much targeted. I think that they have lists of people and tape. Somebody has a list of people and recordings and they decide who to go after, when, where, why. Um, you know, maybe there's something more than just money that that he was going to do X and you don't want him to do X or, or you want him to do Y and he doesn't want to do Y. I mean, there's all of this. I'm, I, I do not believe that this is all just, oh, we just found out that Matt Damon did, said this word 20 years ago. I don't, think, I don't buy it. I'm too much. I hate to be this conspiracy theorist, but I just, it doesn't make any sense because everybody has said bad things in their lives. Everybody in Hollywood has said something bad. Or, or well, I, to bad things. Does so, anybody yeah. disagree with that on this? Because I don't. I don't. They've all praised I don't think it's Harvey Weinstein. I mean, they all praised Harvey Weinstein, right? They all went, go, oh my God, the gushing with praise with Harvey Weinstein. And, and then they all admitted, yeah, we knew what was going on. So why isn't the like, um, what's her name? The, the famous actress. You know, supposedly the greatest actress of all time. I'm forgetting her name. Street, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Why hasn't she been canceled? Because, I mean, if you wanted to, you could probably find 85 different things Meryl Streep said that are not politically correct today. Why? Why? Why are you going after Matt Damon and not Meryl Streep? Well, because maybe they want something from Matt Damon, or maybe they don't want him to do something, or maybe they decide that, you know. They roll the dice and pick Matt Damon for this week because they've got to they've got to keep the pressure on. Or, I don't know, but it, it's not random. I guarantee it. I apologize if I say, sound crazy. No, I, I think you're don't probably think you're crazy at all. <laughs> Even if it would start out as an individual beef against him, somebody trying to get a role or get him out of a role, and they make you know fan the flames of this, it could be that. But I agree with you. It's not just, oh, we found out, because very few of us are perfect. And almost everybody who is is on this show right now. So we can't speak to anybody else. Okay, I'm going to let everybody have certainly wasn't perfect when I was a kid, that's for sure. Everybody can uh, talk about the subjects that we didn't get to talk about that they wanted to talk about. Uh, I just wanted to bring up something in the notes today um, about one of Biden's... um, 
uh, advisors saying, if I don't know if you guys all remember, I've been saying since the very beginning, how do we know that masks on a community-wide use work, especially when the science that we did know suggested that maybe they actually cause more harm than good. And all I was doing was, I wasn't saying they don't work. I'm saying, how do you know they do work, especially when the the uh, science they tended to refer to you about masks were studies that were done in controlled environments like healthcare settings or with mannequins, you know, which is apples, comparing apples to oranges with masks used in a community-wide setting. And now this guy comes out and says, oh yeah, um, you know, I just, ma masks, these masks that people are using, just, you know, they don't work. And what was chilling, okay, so first I felt vindicated because, you know, this was my question all along. Again, my argument was never they don't work. My argument was, there's no science that I've seen. How do we know they're not actually doing more harm? But now he's admitting they don't work. Uh, so I'm feeling vindicated. And then he closes in what I saw with the N95 masks is what we should be doing, which is uh -huh. chilling. But I just want to go on the record right now. When they do that, I'm going to ask exactly the same question about N95 masks. How do you know they're efficacious and they don't cause more harm in the community-wide setting because the information you have about N95 masks are used in controlled environments where they are fitted to people, where they are, you know, uh, the masks themselves are cleaned and controlled or given new ones. Again, it's going to be an apples to oranges situation. So I just want to go right on um, on record as bringing up exactly the same points. And probably in a year or two, they'll be maybe they'll admit that N95s in the community use setting uh, don't actually work. I just want to oh. say one thing. Um, all of you know that I'm a committed tree hugging environmentalist. And they recently decided there are 1.5 billion masks already in the oceans. Yes. So by the way, two years from now, they're going to blame that on Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next. Well, I also want to, I just want to say one thing real quick. When I would ask this question, even to people that I knew in the medical field, when I would say, wait, the only science we really, that I've seen that they really know about community-wide use is that it can cause more harm than good. And, you know, questioning the science that they're using to support their argument where you'd say wait that's that's a controlled environment use or that's that test that study was done on a, a mannequin not even comparable i would get called things like well you're putting politics above science or uh the common one of um clearly you're just denying science i'm gonna get the same thing when they start to do this with n95 and uh, i'm ready for it I, what else are you gonna do but yeah, I've, been done nothing but study, I've done nothing but study masks from the beginning because I, I was very much in favor of them at, at the start. And now, of course, I think they're completely useless. Um, and uh, I, I have, in the back of my head, I have an article that needs to be written. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, I, the basic thing is, you know, is COVID spread or respiratory, you know, viruses spread uh, via droplets or via aerosols, right? Droplets are, you know, when you sneeze, that's what comes out. And aerosols are, are much tinier particles. 
And if it's primarily by droplets, then the masks obviously work. And if it's primarily by aerosols, then the masks don't do anything because the aerosols go right through the mask or around the mask or whatever. And, you know, there, there are a number of interesting studies that show that it is, in fact, aerosols that are the way the virus spreads. And like a large number of studies. Um, and yet people are still writing that it's droplets and uh, set against the studies that show it's aerosols are all of these studies of like COVID spread versus mask use, which has absolutely no correlation at all. So it means that the masks, mask mandates, mask use, even if there's no mandates, if you say 88% of the population are using masks, you know, they do these surveys and they show it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down uh, and and the masks are staying the same then it's obviously that uh, mask use is, has nothing to do with COVID and that reinforces that the studies that show that it's aerosols now in principle you can stop aerosols with a well-fitting N95 mask and you can test this on yourself of course this is very easy um, uh, I think I've told you before, uh, my doctor and I were doing this. You take one of those little um, uh, packets that have a uh, alcohol swab in it, right? And, um, or you just take a bottle of isopropyl, but um, you put the mask on, you fit it well, and you open the, the thing with the alcohol and you just put it here. And if you can smell the alcohol, then the mask isn't working. And if you can't smell the alcohol, it's really, really trace amount. You know, you know how strong like isopropyl smells. Um, so this is a little teeny bit or, or zero, the mask is working. If it's more than that, um, then the mask isn't working. Remember, the mask has to be really, really tight on you. Um, yeah. Very so, uncomfortable. Okay. So number one, really, are we really going to believe that these rules or those those parts and pieces are going to be followed on a community community wide basis by all these people regularly for long periods of time? And number two, what do we know? Okay, it's again, it's very different to be in a in a, a hospital setting with a mask that tight that you literally can't smell isopropyl alcohol versus kids playing on a playground or, you know, uh, people outside for hours working on streets. You know, I, I'm just saying again, I'm calling a flag on this play that you are comparing apples to oranges. You see results in one setting and you automatically assume the results are going to be the same in, in an environment in largely, hugely different communities with yeah. all sorts of different everything, different people, different I just don't see it even being a logical or rational, let alone scientific approach. Yeah, my doctor uh, wears N95 every all day, every day. And um, it's not one of the stiff ones though. It's, it's, it's one of the, um, you know, more fluffy and conformal. And of course I could, I can't wear an N95 for more than five minutes, but um, I'd wager a lot of people can't. There and are people and, 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 you know, kids for eight on hours. Insanity. They may go to N95s. Um, no, but think of, you know, the I still think that there's, I mean, do you know how many N95s the United States manufactured back in, you know, back in March? Very few. Do you know how many we manufacture now? Very few. No one has learned. You know what? 
whoever whoever whoever's going to win that bidding to manufacture it, they're salivating right now. I'm sure they see where we're going, and this is going to be a huge boom. And yeah, maybe the Chinese, China. China. Yeah, I mean, we've learned nothing. No, no, I think they've learned what they've learned is better skills at manipulating people. People. What they have learned is nefarious. Yeah. So yeah, if they ever come out that we all have to wear N95 masks for the rest of our lives, um, yeah, that no. But I'm going to New Jersey this weekend, so I'm gonna for the first time in a couple of months, I'm gonna find a few masks to bring with me in case the New Jersey people are as okay. You can bring me some, Ed. Crazy as uh, you guys say they are, because uh, I think I only have two masks left, two disposable surgical masks. Don't work, by the way. Don't ever wear them unless somebody insists on them. Um, I know what say, I know what to say. There's an article here, but I think we missed the the biggest story of the week. Honestly, and we haven't discussed it. Um, to me, the biggest story was the Arizona legislature, the Arizona Senate's audit, and Dominion voting systems and Maricopa County defying the subpoena that the, that the Senate sent to them for the vote tabulation information. And honestly, guys, I don't know why there's not a revolution just over that. Uh, to me, that is one of the most outrageous things I think I've ever heard. Uh, if there's anything that's a government function, it's counting the votes and tabulating the votes. Could, I, I, could you imagine if, I mean, we had with the, you know, there, there are private prisons that they allow these days. Could you imagine if there were rumors that there were, you know, torture or, or some other rights violations in the prison and, and the private company said, well, our contract says you can't come in, you can't look, you can't see this, you can't audit me. I mean, it, we, there, there's no way that that would survive a, a, a minute. And yet this is just a big yawn. I mean, to me, it's a, it's really outrageous that Dominion, if their if their contract says what they're saying that it's that it that they don't have to turn this information over that it's proprietary, that in itself is a scandal. How does the legislature delegate that? And if they delegated it only to the board of elections, how does the board of elections delegate that? It's completely unreasonable. It's it's criminal in in the philosophical sense and not criminal necessarily in the legal sense. I'm not saying that some legislator or some person at the Board of Elections needs to go to jail over that contract. But philosophically, that is a that is one of the worst crimes that a, that a government can perpetrate against the citizens. I mean, you can't just contract out the, the, the ability for someone to steal an election and make it impossible for people for, for the public to audit it. But they, they don't the government doesn't have the right to the power to do what it's done there. The, the, those votes belong to us. The voting system belongs to us. They can't just give that away and say, well, it's proprietary information to Dominion and we're not, they're not, they don't have to turn it over. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an outrageous story to me. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the biggest story of the week. I don't know. I, I don't know why, how they can possibly get away with that. Uh, you know, we all on the show, I think to varying degrees agree that the election was stolen, but even if it was a completely clean election, those results don't belong to Dominion. And if the contract says so, that's a, contract that's that shouldn't be valid those results belong to us they belong to the people of arizona and and i just don't i mean I, it really gets my goat i mean it really 
you know, I'm very passionate about it. I'm, I'm angry about that situation, frankly. I've seen outrageous government contracts too. And you wonder um, like when they spend millions and millions of dollars to make sure that you, me, uh, don't waste thousands of dollars. Um, they'll give away whole, you know, they'll give away the store to some of these uh, contractors. I, I know one uh, aircraft that the government is building that the, the contractor owns all of the rights to all of the data. Own it. Like the government doesn't have any right to any of the data for this very large contract. Like how did that get written? I don't know. So, I mean, yes, this is standard. Uh, I just want to say- As bad as it is off, in the financial context, Ed, I mean, I just think it's much guys, worse. I'm sorry, Jody, I'll let you speak. I'm sorry, I just want to real quick sign off. I've got obligations, so I got to head off. Thanks for this week. I'll see you guys next week. Okay, Jody, great Bye, to Bye, guys. Thanks for the show. Bye, guys, you too. Um, Ed, I agree with you, and it, as bad as those financial arrangements are, um, I guess you're not even talking about financial arrangements, though. You're talking about the, the intellectual property of, of those of those contracts. I mean, it's just it's outrageous. I mean. I, I don't even know how you have a patent on counting votes. This is the prior art for this has been going on for quite some time. The Romans managed it back in like 500 B.C. So did the Athenians. Counting votes is prior art. You can have a patent on it. And yet. Dominion has this crazy system, which we've seen videos of, I know I have, where if the machine can't count it, it goes to some person for adjudication and the person can be anywhere in the world. And that person can say, oh yeah, this looks like a vote for Biden. And that is now a Biden vote. I mean, we've seen these videos, I know you have on the Samus.internet uh, internet and um, that, somehow is patentable and you can't you can't examine it um and i think it's all a thousand times worse than this and we wouldn't even know about this we're arizona not pushing this so far and most yeah. of the country including most of the republicans would wish they didn't push it this far so who knows what else we have no clue what's going on there are vanity fair had an article on the arizona recount and, you know, sometimes Vanity Fair will get it right. Most of the time it's hit piece. And this was a really disgusting hit piece. It's just, just snide remark after snide remark after snide remark, including like the Republicans are trying to um, take away voting rights. It's like, I don't get that. I mean, what does this have to do with voting rights? I mean, they're just trying to see whether the votes counted up to what the machine said it did. So it's unreal you know there's something to find when they fight against it this hard you, of, course. You know there's something of course they would just throw the books open and say come look yeah i mean there'd be no reason to hide anything they'd say of course i have nothing to hide come audit all you want and you gotta Bring remember that arizona is probably one of the cleaner of the of the swing states Probably one of the cleaner. I mean, come on, Georgia, Philly. I mean, come on, Philly, really? Arizona is probably squeaky clean compared to Philly or, or Atlanta. So, I mean, that's that's the real thing. Is like if they're deathly afraid of Phoenix, uh, they're deathly afraid of, of, of Phoenix being audited, then, you know, 
you know that it's way worse. Well, the, the only thing I would add is that we talk a lot about the left being onto the next thing. But I do believe we can walk and chew gum to some extent. And I'm glad that Arizona and some of these other states are looking into the election. And, um, you know, hopefully we, we do uncover the truth that would happen in these states. Didn't I mean, the Maricopa Board of Supervisors <laughs> say something like this? It's like, oh, the election was like nine months ago. It's over. Why are we bothering? You know, so that was the response to the subpoena or something like that. It's like, um, I think this is all. Correct, the correct quote is, what difference at this point does it make? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a, yeah. Well, here's my uh, last two cents on, on the day. I'm um, going to ch change the tone a little bit. So there, there are certain people, of course, in our lives that impact the way we, we think and our views and our values. Um, well, today's my, my dad's birthday, and I probably wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for him. And unfortunately, I lost him about seven and a half years ago. But, uh, you know, the certain moments I remember about him too when i was a teenager and we were listening to uh reagan give a state of the union speech and my dad sitting there and applauding ronnie and uh obviously he had a big influence on in my life and more ways than one uh but today is his birthday so happy oh, birthday dad happy birthday wow so your dad died in 2011 also i mean 2014 20 uh 2014 uh in the wee hours of the morning on my my little one's birthday so somebody told me that when somebody dies on somebody's birthday like that they want to be remembered so yeah i lost one i lost my dad in 2014 as well but i'm glad you brought that up sure wow okay folks thank you all for being here we'll see you all back next week four o'clock on wednesday and this will be up as a podcast very shortly thank you very much have a wonderful day all right guys goodbye thanks guys <laughs>